0: Hello, this is podcast 306 of the Proofal Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha Ruddy. So this is a podcast on not belonging in the room. This is a topic I've been thinking about for a long time. And I wasn't going to be brave enough to do it as a public podcast. I was going to do it as the next extended podcast on my Patreon, but hopefully I found a way to navigate it. And some of it's going to be based on a book that I inhaled very quickly last weekend by bell hooks called teaching to transgress and i've already recommended this to some of the teaching team who work with me anybody who's involved in education needs to read that book there there is so much in it and i can see myself talking a lot about it and i've been thinking about doing the next podcast series actually purely on teaching and on the methods that we use to reach people and to get results and to make it possible for everyone to navigate education. The sort of approach that we have. We don't make people's challenges go away. My my own literacy challenges have never gone away. I'm going to talk a little bit about that towards the end of this. And the limitations I still have in that. But I still manage to get up every day and work in the way that I want to and to have achieved so much. And we help other people to achieve so much. We help people to sort of navigate around these boulders and to not particularly worry about them. And I hope in the future that I will do a podcast with one of the teachers on the benefits of some of the challenges we have and have a completely different perception of looking at this in a a different way to the way that we do in society. So there's so much in this book that I love. But there's a part that doesn't sit with me. And I don't think that Bell Hooks would mind me talking about that and going away and reflecting on it and thinking about it. Because it's very much how she operated herself. She really wanted to bring the art of critical thinking and make it accessible to everybody. And really all critical thinking is, is sitting and deciding if something works for you, whether it sits with what you're referencing and where you're coming from in an argument, and thinking about why it doesn't, it doesn't sit with you, which is exactly what I did in terms of a couple of chapters in this book where they started to touch on but one in particular. And it's this sense of going into a reflective mode rather than a reactive one. We spend a lot of time reacting. And so it's very strange that in the vast majority of spaces, I just sit very quietly and I don't have to speak. I've never liked attention. I often don't want to talk about the fact that I'm viewing something from an entirely different place to everybody else in the room, that I'm having a different experience. I need... What I describe to my students is think time. I need time to process before I comment. And my only reasons for commenting are when they're beyond myself. When I've sat and thought about how they reflect to other people, not how they reflect from me. And often I don't feel like I'm sitting in the same room as everybody else. I don't feel like I'm having the same experience. I don't feel like I've gone through the same understanding. The same viewpoint. I spend a lot of my time feeling like an alien. But I don't need to jump up and down about that fact. I've realized fundamentally that I've never needed to belong, that I've always been quite comfortable to sit there and have a different reference place and to think about things differently and to view them differently. And one of the hardest parts for me ever starting to talk was that I didn't realize that it wasn't just all obvious to everybody else too. There's a real danger when you start to speak about the difference that then what people start to say to you is that you're arrogant and that you have an ego. And they start to project in what I call the gap between where they're working from and where I'm working from. And sometimes that projection is constructive. I construct my writing in a way so that that projection space is a process. And I've actually started to really think about how I build it in. And I often talk about myself from a distance in the experiences so that everyone can kind of sit there and read it and project at it and have their judgments. And then maybe a chapter later or so, I talk about their judgments and they sit there and go, oh, I did that. And and that makes them find something and that, that makes critical thinking accessible because they've journeyed through viewing me, judging me, having their reference place, and then they've had to sit and think about the fact that they've just done that. So that's a very constructive thing to do. It shows you how you approach the world with biases and how you think and how you limit people. And so I'm incredibly careful when I'm participating in a room that I don't, that I don't do those things to people. And so there's a sense in a part of the book, that because of her referencing as a black woman in academia, when that wasn't the, 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 I don't even want to say the word, the norm, but it wasn't the experience that she had and that she faced growing up and learning herself. She was from a working class background, so she had a different economic status to many of not only the students that she was studying with, but also her colleagues later. And she talks a lot about not losing her language and losing her connection to her roots, which I really love. I love employing people who stay grounded and who don't have to become something that they're not that they don't change their language. They don't change their accent. They don't pretend to be from a different area or a different social status. They are what they are. And even though they have achieved very high education, they're still perfectly comfortable within their own families that they grew up with. They're not alienated by anybody. And so she does talk about that. And so it is. It's a lot to navigate. And so in that context for her. She wants everyone's voice to be heard in the room and everyone to participate and to engage. And so somebody like me who wants to sit in the room and think there's a lot of measuring going on here, there's a lot of competition, there's all the things that I hate that we construct in society and particularly that we construct in education and all of the judgments and I want time to process this i don't I don't want to just jump in and give my alien viewpoint, and so I'm not someone who who does step forward to participate all the time in that way. And I can recognize that a lot of her outlook and her theories and her practices in teaching have kind of been taken and superimposed by other educators into environments. We've become incredibly conscious of participation in education and our expectations of students to learn to perform and to do group work and to present and to be very personal as well in what they're presenting at very young ages and so there's a lot of pressure and so there's another set of people who've come come in on this and sort of said all the introvert students don't feel comfortable with this and that's not really true because there are many different types of introversion, and some of those people do really want to hear their own voice, and they do really want to engage, and they do want to step up and participate in a way that leads people. And they do actually need the attention and the feedback and the acknowledgement of from their peers in the room. So that's, that's not completely true. You can't just say that all introverts don't want to participate and all extroverts do. It's a much more complex scenario that's taking place and they may be comfortable in participating in certain exercises and not in others and so a big part of my work is helping people to be confident and comfortable in the what they need to do and what they need to take from the room and what they need to participate and what they need to contribute and taking the time if they need that to process their thinking and decide what that is. And it takes a very good educator and what I, pr- I don't really like teachers, I like facilitators. It takes a very good facilitator to observe those dynamics and observe those rooms. And then if we start to bring in conversations, which she brings in in this book, around class in education and society perceptions and conformities and constructions, and as we try to have more liberal conversations on gender identity and gender roles and what I prefer to call gender freedom and we start to broaden out how we view religion how we view belief and faith and how we view race and how all of the 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 biases that we have present in those that is a lot to facilitate and it takes a lot of experience and a lot of life experience of having sat in a room with lots of different people and had lots of different experiences and listened to people's stories and understood where people come from rather than your own assumptions in it. And so the danger when we have what are pedagogy practices and we we think they're a great idea and we just go along and superimpose those in schools or university environments we're not thinking about whether the person facilitating that really has the skill set to manage to do that. And the observation skills, if they've been really supported to have those skills, to be able to navigate doing that. And it's interesting, when I started off and I looked for my own teaching team to be able to do many of these skills in this way, I started by employing people who worked in theatre, not in education because they inherently had the skills present to be able to do this type of facilitation. They were far more likely to have grasped how to do that in the world than they ever were in a teacher training college. But just like bell hooks, I hold on to every single phrase that's being said to me, every email that's being sent to me, every text message, every comment on how someone has grown and what has happened for them in their lives and the impact that, that I have had on them and also the teachers that have been working with me. We, we desperately cling to those stories of development and we learn from them and we, we realize what we're really doing. We keep that very strongly in, in focus and it keeps us going. But people grow at different rates and in different ways. And they have different roles in the room. And ironically, having navigated so much of education and having achieved so much in education, I still can't work in academia. I don't have the literacy ability to cope in the environments the way that they're constructed. Sorry, there was a pause in the audio. I noticed that it recording properly so I started a fresh file. So ironically having achieved so much in education with my literacy challenges I still can't work in academia. It would be assumed that it would be the best way for me to take my thinking out in the world, to be affiliated to a university, to be lecturing, to have my own postgraduate students but I have never been physically well in a university environment. The pressure of it because of my literacy challenges, is too much. And I realized that a few years ago. And so it's very important for me to walk the talk. So I believe in having a holistic life. And in others creating that. And if I'm going to ask other people to have a holistic life, I need to create one myself. And the way I have that is external to educational environments, especially university environments. And so... I do work directly with students. I do work directly with the people who teach for me, who, who are employed in universities. I work with many people in many projects in many different ways, in order for my thinking and my work to be filtered into the world in a different way. And in, in many ways, this reflects how I, how I sit, in, sit in a room. I'm the, I'm the quietest person there. I don't really feel like I belong in the same way as I don't belong in a university environment at the moment, the way it's constructed. And I'm watching everyone with compete with each other to prove themselves, to measure, to hear themselves, to have a position, to have attention, to belong fundamentally, to list out their, their accolades, to be introduced in a certain way that we think they're worth listening to. In the same way, As Bell Hooks talks about the racial status and the economic status within the education environment, within the university environment. We just play those things out permanently. We play them out all of the time in how we measure everyone and whether they're worth listening to. And so I often pause to think that none of this seems right to me. I don't want to play these games. I don't want to be in the way, to be in the world in the way that it's constructed. I'd rather be the rebel that doesn't fit in and who takes the experiences. I don't waste my energy. I'm incredibly economical with my energy. I do not put it into head what already exists that I don't agree with. I put my energy into creating what I believe in. And, you, and it's a bit like compound interest. For every person that I invest that in, who goes out in the world, and who doesn't need to operate in this way. Like I often say that people have default settings, default factory settings, just like phones. For every person that I invest my time in, and invest my thinking, and help them to really see what they have to bring to the world, and for them to go in and move in a different way, they will then impact that, by creating those rooms and those environments for other people to feel that they can do that too. And especially within an education context. I feel we create something different in the world by moving differently in it. Even if that can seem like you're not participating or you're not drawing a lot of attention to yourself or you're not ranking up the accolades to make you worth listening to. If you really don't want that system in the world, and you really want everyone to be included, then you need to move differently. You need to be able to sit in the room in a way where it's okay not to be included. Because you don't want to be included in what exists. You want it to be different. You want it to be different for everyone. And you know that if you get to a space that works for you, Ironically, it works for everybody, because everyone has stopped measuring. And I don't feel that Bell Hooks will mind me saying that I have a challenge in the participation aspect of her book, because more than anything else, what she wanted was people to be true to themselves, and to think for themselves, and to critically think for themselves, and to develop, regardless of status or ability or where they came from, or how we perceive they should fit into the world. She wanted them to excel as themselves. She wanted them to love learning. And I love learning. I just can't do it in a university. And I can't bring learning to the world through a university setup. Which is the real irony in having achieved as much as I have in education.